Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, judging by our Ashley Fine Flores text line, John Sexmith's appearance uh, has brought a little bit of heat to the show, so I'll try to get to some of those texts coming up at around 145, 148 today. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's currently 135 in Edmonton. Hmm. I know where I was on this day back in 2006, I can tell you that. I was at our overtime broiler and tap room, and it was not a good day for the Edmonton Oilers, but it did get better, but then got worse. All right, we're going to head to our Oilers now. Headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock. W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, an emerging website out there that's become very popular uh, is Puckpedia. Hart Levine joins us right now uh, to talk about it. Hart, how you doing? Hart, do we have you? There we go. Yep. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, first of all, just maybe explain the website, then I'll get into a specific question regarding the agents. But what do you kind of do with Puckpedia? Okay, well, Puckpedia, um, the goal is to be the one-stop shop for hockey fans and professionals. So all the salary cap information uh, you could want is on there, uh, player contract details, as well as agent information. So we show all the agents and what uh, clients they represent, and we have a leaderboard of all the agents. Um, And also uh, the player dashboard, you can go on there and you can sort and filter by contract information or stats or combination of the two to to see uh, types of players you're looking for. And then there's also uh, my Puckpedia GM mode, where you can basically have your own version of a salary cap site and, and model out and, and do whatever transactions you want and see how it looks um, in the league. So in order to gather the information with the respective agencies and know who's representing who, I'm going to assume you've built up a pretty good relationship with several of the bigger players of the business. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the agents are pretty competitive. So when you, when you have an agent leaderboard showing uh, how they rank against each other, um, all of a sudden the, the lines of communication are open with them, uh, making sure they get credit for everyone. Uh, so, Hart, tell me this. Uh, where are the majority of the sort of the, the bigger, uh, you know, the bigger booked agents at in terms of what they think is going to happen here in this off season? Well, I think that, you know, most of the agents I, I've, spoken to are pretty realistic that um, you know with the salary cap being flat not just for another year but for the next several years um, that definitely has an impact on longer term deals um, you know because when longer term deals are signed there's there used to be a um, an understanding as part of it that the cap is going up and that's sort of how uh, teams would fit in those bigger deals um, and yeah I think the agents are recognizing that on I know in, in hearing from them um, on RFA uh, conversations from last year like at first if you're 
remember, there weren't that many restricted free agents signed uh, because the GMs were saying, look, I don't really care about the comparables from before COVID. Once we started to get some post-COVID um, restricted free agent deals, then the other GMs were using those as comparables. And so, like, this year, you know, um, basically for agents of restricted free agents, there's no point even talking to GMs about deals signed before COVID. You have to only use deals that were signed, you know, from the last offseason and, and since uh, for comparables. Um, I, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the unrestricted free agents, but that's where it's really wide open. There haven't really been many deals signed for unrestricted free agents since COVID in this new environment. And so that's really just going to be a, you know, a, a game of uh, chicken to see what the market will bear uh, for some of these players. And that's kind of where it's up in the air. All right. Well, you know where I'm going next, Hart. So <laughs> since, and you put this tweet out yesterday, since uh, March of 2020, only four contracts have been signed by UFA forwards. That's when the contract starts in the UFA for three plus years and a $4 million year cap hit. Uh, so Brendan Gallagher, represented by Jerry Johansson, who's got the fifth largest book out there right now, six years, 6.5 million. Dadnoff got three years at five million. Toffoli got four years at four point two five million, and then Alex Iafalo, who was going to be a free agent for the LA Kings, uh, so uh, he signed a four-year deal at four million. Those are the only four, uh, I guess, potential UFAs or UFAs out there that have yep. uh, signed. A, I mean, that is that is a, because we have people going. Well, why isn't Nugent Hopkins done yet? Um, and if you're Rick Vallette and you're sitting there and you see that tweet, it shows you how little has actually been spent and committed on UFA forwards uh, at this time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it shows that there's been a you know a bit of a hesitancy to commit. But also, I think the biggest thing is that just you don't have as much um, prior deals to compare it to. Like if this, I'm quite confident if you know a, a better world where there had been no pandemic. There either would have been a deal done for Nuge or it would have been quite obvious um, what his value was because there's a whole bunch of deals. You know, you debate, is he a center, is he a winger? But you have a whole bunch of deals signed in 2018, 2019, and you could figure out kind of where he stacks in. Now, we can kind of use those, but the GMs are, are not going to just kind of go along with those as comparables. It, it's really like, you know, does, does Nugent Hopkins, for example, does he compare to any of those players that we just uh, have seen? Well, you know, you could compare him against Gallagher and Toffoli and Dadanov and kind of see how he slots in, but that's a pretty small group to pick from, from contracts. So I think that's what's going to be really interesting to see, especially with the forwards. We just don't have uh, the deals to, to compare to. And so, again, with restricted free agents, you're, you're really looking at um, comparable deals and you know because you're only negotiating with one team and so it makes sense you're looking at kind of the evidence and um, what contracts to compare to with the UFA UFAs it's just like you know when you sell your house it's it's worth what someone will pay for it so I think it'll be hard for some unrestricted free agents to resign with their teams until they start to see what's out there in the market and at least at least get a sense what some of the offers are and how teams are valuing them um, because again it, it'll I think it'll be potentially quite different than the deals prior to uh, March 2020. Do you think, Hart, that there were some agents out there that were surprised at how flat the market was uh, last year when free agency opened up on October 9th and October 10th? 
Oh, I, I, I think that's, yeah, obvious. I mean, you look at some of the bigger names that ended up taking, like, one-year deals, like a Barry or a Hoffman. Um, you know, uh, even Toffoli didn't sign right away. Taylor Hall took a one-year deal. You know, whether they, may, you know, maybe they were sort of expecting it, but it's just like anything, you can prepare for it and, and mentally be ready. But then when it happens, um, it's, it was probably a shock. I mean, all those kind of guys in past years would have been signing multi-year deals. You know, again, maybe they didn't get quite as many years or dollars as they wanted, but you would have seen them signing much bigger deals than, than they did this last offseason. And, um, you know, it just things were kind of frozen up. What I think will be interesting, though, is like if we go out into the future, like next year or the year after, we're going to have a flat cap now for, you know, it'll have been three, four years, and we'll have lots of contracts to compare to. It'll be really easy to see what a, you know, 20 goal, 50 point uh, winger should get paid because, you know, it, it's not like in the past where you'd always have to sort of adjust for what the cap was in prior years. Eventually, we'll actually, it'll be kind of easy to see where guys slot in. But for now, yeah, we don't have any of that precedent to, to go by, especially for the unrestricted free agents. We're joined by Puckpedia's Hart Levine, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. So you did the same thing amongst defensemen, and the Oilers have got a you know a couple of UFAD here. But since March of 2020, only six deals for UFAD, uh, where the contract starts in the UFA year, for three-plus years and $4 million cap hit. The biggest was Petrangelo. He got seven years at 8.8 to Vegas. Uh, Crew got a great deal from St. Louis, I would suggest to you. Seven years, 6.25. Petrie signed with the Habs, four years, 6.25 million extension. Brodeen, seven-year extension, $6 million a year in Minnesota. I'd say his agent did pretty well in that year, or in that deal. Brody got uh, $5 million a year times four from the Leafs. Santana went to the Flames to replace Brody at four years at $4.5 million. Um, so two different type of UFA players for Edmonton. They've got Tyson Berry, and they've got Adam Larson. And to me, I'd compare Larson a bit more to Tanev. But Barry, to me, there could be an argument based on him leading the league in scoring hard that he might is you know, somewhat comparable to a guy like Tory Krug. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, he was top scoring. And so if you value defenseman based on scoring, I mean, you'd think he has to be sort of right at the top of the list. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Krug is a good example. Um, he scored – he's historically scored more than him, and he scored more going into this deal. So if you're just looking straight at that, um, you know, I would I would see as, as his agent, like, that seems like a comparable deal. I think practically speaking, um, you know, St. Louis, they were losing Petrangelo. They wanted to grab someone. I don't. I don't know if on the open market Barry is going to get seven times six and a half, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets five or six years at six million. You know, somewhere close to that. I don't. I don't think he's getting. You know, four and a half or five million multi. Um, you know, for depending on his term out there. But I guess you know, you you never know with a flat cap for the second year. The GMs could tighten up a bit and see what's out there. But from from looking at uh, those deals you just saw, you know, those deals aren't that much different than we saw prior to COVID. Right, those ones are you know maybe a little bit less, maybe a little less term for for some of those guys. The like the four year deals, maybe they would have been five year deals in the past, but that's sort of comparable. So I think maybe on D man, um, we can still look at some of the the prior year contracts that were out there. Um, but yeah, I think like I said, I think Barry's probably in the six million range if he wants to get as much money as possible. Um, and Larson, it's it's always hard with defensemen that you know, don't score a lot because it's you know you have to dig deeper into some of the other um, metrics, and some GMs are interested in those, some are not. Um, but I, I think you know Larson, just like has been reported, he's probably in and around four million, um, you know maybe three point seven five to four million on a three or four year deal, just kind of looking at prior deals. 
Uh, how much cap space have you kind of got factored in for the Edmonton Oilers at this time? So I have right now, um, they have just under $24 million of cap space. That's with 16 players on the roster. That includes a bonus carryover overage of 600666 which is made up from uh, this year they had um, – 328,000 of carryover bonus. That was from Mike Smith and Yamamoto's bonuses. And then if you remember last year, they had a, a bonus over that they um, elected to split over two years. So that there's another 338 for that. So in total, 666 of carryover bonuses. Um, I'm also assuming tourists is going to be buried, which carries a 525 cap hit this year. So that leaves them with, like I said, 20, 23 point, call it 9 million with 16 players on the roster of, of space. I'm sorry. Did you factor Neil in? No, that's with Neil on the roster. Um, so if you were to buy out Neil, that moves that up to $27.7 million with 15 um, guys on the roster. Yeah, I'd say it's going to be interesting to see how Edmonton uh, sort of deals with things in the offseason. I mean, I know you grew up here, so you've obviously got a vested uh, interest to, to sort of uh, uh, sort of see how Edmonton does. Just before we let you go here, I know you have different agents on the show. Um has has the COVID situation in the two respective countries, has that got brought up at any point? Uh, because I've, you know, there. Are, I wonder whether or not with some American players, whether or not they're, you know, we always hear, you know, like the owners had Doug Waite and Bill Guerin. They were completely happy playing in Edmonton. The owners at that time just couldn't pay them what they were worth. Uh, some people have said to me, what about Seth Jones? My guess is Seth Jones is represented, I believe, by Pat Brisson. I could see him wanting to play in the United States, possibly in markets like Dallas or Colorado. Have you heard anything from the agents uh, out there a, a bit about, you know, concern in Canada's COVID handling and the fact that it was, even though it's now surpassed the U.S. in single shot uh, uh, vaccinations, have you heard anything in that regard? Well, I heard a little bit last off season, um, you know, but I mean, if you think back last fall, we didn't really know that the U.S. would be that much further ahead than Canada, right? So teams yeah. were, I mean, agents were, it was more just about if a family was living in Canada, did the player want to go to the U.S. and vice versa? And and I guess last fall, we knew that the border restrictions were tighter in Canada. So on a short Term deal, um, yeah, I do know that you know, guys considered if they had families in the, in the U.S., would they want to come play in Canada? But I don't think it's really going to be a factor this year, um, you know, because by the time we play next in the fall, we would expect that um, you know the quarantine rules are different across the border if you're vaccinated, and the cases you'd, you'd hope and expect would be better in Canada. So uh, honestly, I don't think it's much of a factor um, for this coming fall at all. Um, you know, I guess things can always change, but as of now, I think it's more just like the traditional, you know, often American guys want to stay in the U.S. or certain guys want more want to play in a hotter hockey market or where it's not as much attention. And I think those factors all play in. But I don't think that the the, the COVID and how it compares in Canada versus U.S. is really going to impact players uh, for this coming off season. All right. How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, follow on Twitter at Puckpedia. There you go. Great stuff. Hart, let's do this again. Thanks for your time. Let's do it. Thanks. You bet. That is Hart Levine. Uh, Bob Stoffer uh, joining you here on Orders Now, along with Brendan Escott. we got a ton of text to uh, to get to. So.
Uh, Terry has texted the show. I don't think hacking on Tippett and Holland is warranted. Holland took over a mess, a total mess from Shirelli, and has had next to nothing to work with until uh, this uh, upcoming summer. Tippett hasn't had the horses in the barn to be able to coach the team properly. Let's lay off um, in in two result two seasons. The results aren't there. Uh, then have at it. Okay, so, uh, well, you know what? The team finished 12th and 11th the last two years. It had two good regular seasons. I think most listeners would suggest the start to each of the two series, you know, okay, a little bit concerning. Uh, didn't get the playoff result either of the two years that they were looking for, and I think we all recognize the team wasn't deep enough, and I think we must, you know. It's funny how many people stepped up and supported uh, the Oilers and said, well, the officiating didn't help, and Connor Hellebuck posted a 950. Now, John Sexsmith brought up a couple of coaching decisions, including playing Drysaddle and McDavid together. That has been one that's been reinforced as well in numerous times. Again, you can text us, 780 this text comes in. KJAM says, I noticed the players decided to take the mental stance that the regular season is over and it doesn't mean anything now. It seems like they approach the playoffs with a fresh page slash blank slate. Why? Is that the message from the coaching staff? Question mark. They were really good in the regular season. I thought they could benefit from carrying that confidence into the playoffs. Why not? Instead, take the approach of it's just another game back to business. That allows you to carry the momentum that you built through the playoffs. It's a small thing that maybe could have been a big thing. Well, again, I don't think anybody expected to see the Oilers get swept. I thought Edmonton would beat Winnipeg in six. The Oilers outscored the Jets 21-7 in the final six regular season games. Uh, I think they missed an opportunity to jump Winnipeg early in the series. And we have mentioned to you often during the Winnipeg series, one concern I had, Winnipeg's an emotional team. They're a team that goes on swings and runs. And we're seeing that now against Montreal. Now, conversely, if the Oilers didn't have to play against DeMello and Shifley. It's a different series for Edmonton as well. And the margin was really tight between those two teams. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. this texter comes in. Please stop complaining about the penalties in the playoffs. Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL. He does not need penalties to be called against him to be the best player in the NHL. You guys are always saying how he didn't draw more penalties. Connor McDavid's the best player because he's the best even when he's not on the power play. Give it a break. If you want to argue that he should get special treatment, he's no longer the best player in the NHL. Sorry, I love your show. I'm just tired about hearing about McDavid drawing no penalties. The, the response. I'm reading the text. The fans are bringing this up. Hey, don't forget about the fact that they didn't get a call. That's the reason why we're reading, uh, reading the text there. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. I remember playing hockey with John in my younger years, says this texter to the show, and says he speaks with such accuracy when he stated the following. Doesn't playoff hockey demand goaltending defense and running four lines? That says it all. Well, the owners don't have the depth to run the four lines at this stage, not against successful teams. So, and unfortunately, we're going to be discussing this ad nauseum uh, until we close in as an example on some other issues, including the likes 
Actually, Friday we didn't talk about it much at all because we were talking about the Shifley situation on Friday's show. But uh, we will close in on the upcoming NHL. We'll have the expansion draft, the NHL draft, free agency. There's going to be a lot of topics here to discuss as the orders get closer uh, to some of the uh, busier off-season stuff. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. As we head off to this day in Oilers history, it was a tough one back at the uh, 630 Chad Studios. Here is Brendan Escott. And back in 2006, Cam Ward had a 25-save shutout in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final as the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Oilers 5-0 in Raleigh. Uh, Frank Caberlet, Frantisek Caberlet, uh, and Matt Cullen each had three-point nights to give the Hurricanes a 2-0 series lead. Edmonton was frustrated and undisciplined in that game. I think that would have been a game they would have loved to have had back. Uh, you know, obviously Rolson got hurt late in uh, game number one. Edmonton blowing a 3 nothing lead. Winners won game three back in Edmonton. Cam Ward played great in game four. Pisani overtime in grade five. The Oilers crushed Carolina 4 nothing in game six. And then the Hurricanes, uh, one bounce better, 2-1 with an empty net goal to win the Stanley Cup in 2006. Special thanks to all of you who are participating in the interactive aspects to the show. Tonight, special guest host Dave Campbell. Reed Wilkins gets the week off, and then we got nothing but conference finals for the next two weeks after. Uh, what has uh, Dave Campbell got ripping up on Inside Sports tonight, Mr. Escott? You're going to hear from uh, Avalanche play-by-play voice Connor McGahee, Edmonton Elks Executive Director of Marketing Alan Watt, and XFL News Hub writer Mike Mitchell. I can remember listening to Alan Watt do Golden Bears football play-by-play in the mid-1970s on CBC Radio. I was like nine at the time, so it'll be an interesting conversation. He's an entertaining fellow. All right, Sportsnet's Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta tomorrow. Reminder, live racing is back at Century Mile Friday and Sunday evening. No fan access, but you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Post time is 6.15. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. Followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then the 6.30 Chets. Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.